April 16th. We now turn our attention to the New Testament. Today's reading takes place in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. And here's what we'll read about. We'll read about confident prayer. If an unjust judge helps a poor widow, how much more will a loving father meet the needs of his children? You can pray confidently, for God hears your prayers. We have open access into His treasury, into the very throne room of God, and can claim His gracious promises. So we ought to pray with faith and confidence. No need to argue, just come. The Lord says, come, come boldly into my throne room. And we'll also read about arrogant prayer. Watch out for this. True prayer should humble us and make us love others more. We should be like children coming to a father and not like attorneys bringing an indictment or arguing our case. If prayer doesn't bless the one praying, well, it isn't likely to help anybody else. And with that, let's begin today's reading from the New Testament. April 16th, the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who was a godless man and with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice, because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who plead with him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find who have faith? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a dishonest tax collector. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God that I am not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. For I never cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner." I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. 
Yeah, hi, this is Rob Lee, second phase. Um, one of the issues that we have here at the refuge, and I have quite frequently, is uh, getting in my head, wanting to leave, or just make something, some dumb decision. So when this happens, the best thing that I can do is go serve, whether to serve my brothers or go serve at Jericho. By doing this, this also humbles me and remembers where I came from. So when I see these people at Jericho, I'm no different than any of these people. Um, it just reminds me that uh, I'm just one bad decision to go right back there. Also, by serving your brothers, uh, you can get more attention to them. And also, um, it helps you hold them accountable when need so because you've invested in them. So also serving helps with uh, being like Christ because Christ humbled himself when he came to the earth. So as we strive to be more like Jesus and follow his model, that's what he did was serve. So that's what I encourage each and every one of you to do is to uh, serve on a basis whenever you get uh, down or depressed or just making uh, wrong decisions. It uh, truly helps me. Have a good day and God bless. are distinctly different from anybody else you are forbidden to imitate other people you are forbidden to copy other people you have been marked when God wanted you he created you if he'd have wanted Sally he'd have created Sally if he'd have wanted Jimmy he'd have called Jimmy if he'd have wanted Ted he'd have called Ted when he called you he called you because he wants you you never have to be stressed out trying to be anybody other than yourself he wants you Your fingerprint is distinctly different from anybody else out of the billions of people on this earth. God never repeated on your fingertips with anybody else the same print. You are different from anybody else anywhere in the world. Past, present, or future. Nobody has ever even had your print. You are distinctly different from anyone. The hairs on your head are numbered not counted that would be awesome enough to know that they were counted that God could speak to you and tell you how many they were but that is not enough to say that they are counted they are numbered to be numbered means that if one of them gets caught in a comb he knows that that's hair number 15,438 the hair on your head is numbered You are special to God. You are set apart. He has an agenda for you. The enemy is terrified of people that have been sanctified. He is terrified. He will set traps and obstacles and bondages to keep you from entering into your purpose because he is terrified of you. Don't waste time being terrified of him. He is terrified of you. The greater the struggles you face, the greater the challenges you go through, the greater the turmoil in your life is all the indication that Satan has assigned assassins to terminate you from reaching your designated target. He will do anything to overwhelm you, belittle you, to rip you of your confidence, your self-esteem. He doesn't mind how much you shout and how much you dance as long as you don't have any confidence, any faith or any integrity. 
He doesn't mind how excited you get as long as when you get through shouting you have no character. He wants to rip you until you become impotent and so impoverished in your spirit that you are an empty building, a ghost town, a vacant house. Your lights are on, nobody's at home. You're going through the motions of life with the form of godliness denying the power thereof. He doesn't mind how many days you live as long as you don't live in the days that you have. He wants to rob you and rape you and abuse you. In fact, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to sabotage your success because you were created to win. You were carved to win. You were set aside to win. You were formed to win. The part of meant for you to be a successful vessel of honor that you might be meat for the master's use. You were not meant to fail. You were not meant to die. You were not meant to quit. You were not meant to collapse. You were meant to live. Doctors still can't figure out why the human body died because the body was meant to rebuild itself, refurbish itself, re-strengthen itself. You were not meant to faint. You were not meant to collapse. You were not meant to have a nervous breakdown, a stress attack, a migraine headache, break out in nervous conditions and rashes and all types of diseases and hypertension and have stress attacks and heart attacks and nervous breakdowns. You were not meant to lose it, lose control, break out, kick the dog, slap the cat, kill the children, beat the wife, dog the children. You were not meant to be a failure you were not meant to be destitute, to be lonely, to be hungry, to be isolated, to be driven. You were meant to be the head and not the tail, above only and not the deep. You were meant to prosper and live in goodly houses. You are children of the King. Today we're reading in Psalm 85, where we'll read about restoration. We do not know from what crisis the Lord had delivered his people. Perhaps it was the captivity in Babylon. His wrath had ended. Their sins were forgiven, and they had come home again. In times of divine chastening, rest on Psalm 30, verse 5. We'll also read about revival. When the refugees got back to the land, life was difficult, and they were ready to give up. God had forgiven their sins, but that did not make life a paradise. They wanted new life from God so they could rejoice in Him. New beginnings should lead to experiences of new life. It was Oswald Chambers who said, It's no use to pray for the old days. Stand square where you are and make the present better than any past has been. Base all on your relationship to God and go forward. And presently, you'll find that what is emerging is infinitely better than the past ever was. Well, good words from Oswald Chambers. And as we read in Psalm 85, we'll read about responsibility. God forgives us that we might fear and serve Him. You must hear and obey His word and trust Him to send the needed increase. Mercy and truth met in His passion when Jesus died for the sin of the world. Righteousness and peace meet in His person, King of Righteousness and King of Peace. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13, for the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Lord, you have poured out amazing blessings on your land. You have restored the fortunes of Israel. You have forgiven the guilt of your people. Yes, you have covered all their sins. You have withdrawn your fury. You have ended your blazing anger. Now turn to us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us. Will you be angry with us always? 
Will you prolong your wrath to distant generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for He speaks peace to His people, His faithful ones. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely His salvation is near to those who honor Him. Our land will be filled with His glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down His blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful crops. Righteousness goes as a herald before Him, preparing the way for His steps. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 7 and 8 Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom, but the poor won't even get threatened. <laughs>